0: They say your second life begins when you realize that you only have one life to live. Welcome to Your Second Life Podcast. I am your host, Colleen Kelly. If you feel like you've been in a hamster wheel and you just can't get out, you are stuck in your life, be it your relationships, be it your job, be it your career, be it your day-to-day habits, then this is the place for you. In this podcast, we dive into the things That are truly going to propel you to that second life the life where you are living life on your terms you love what you do every single day we are going to move the mountain that is the barrier between you and the life that you desire so much you are here because something showed you your wound and we are going to use that wound to show us our path and i am here to unlock it all with you Having anxiety is like being scared and tired at the same time. The fear of failure, but no urge to be productive. Wanting friends, but hating socializing. Wanting to be alone, but not wanting to feel lonely. Feeling everything all at once, and then feeling paralyzingly numb. Rich Wilkerson Jr. put that perfectly, didn't he? Here's the thing. It is okay to not feel okay. But what's not okay is to stay that way. It's something that I preach and it's something that I practice. I let myself feel. I feel all my emotions. (laughs) My husband's like rolling his eyes right now listening to this. But if an emotion can't change the condition or situation that you're dealing with, it's unlikely that it's a helpful emotion. Or quite possibly, it's a destructive one. Now, if you need to take a moment, take a moment. You need to take a day, take a day. You need to cry, go ahead and cry when you feel like you need to. Feel frustrated, feel angry, feel jealous. As I've mentioned before, these are incredible emotions that tell you so much information. What I am saying, though, is real strength lies in the ability to control your emotions. Not pretending that they don't exist, but being in control of them. When you are in control of your emotions, that's when you're going to see anxiety start to just like sprinkle away out of your life. Here is the one thing that I know about emotions. They change. I want y'all to think of a toddler. They go from like zero to a hundred, right? All the parents listening are like, yes. A child can be in the middle of a crying, upset mess. And these are true emotions, literal tears coming down their eyes, right? And then the garbage truck pulls up. Tears immediately stop. What? Well, what's that sound, mommy? Me. Well, Austin, I think it's the garbage truck. As he runs towards the window to wave to the garbage man, watch him unload the garbage. And it's literally the best day ever. So with that knowledge... <laughs> We know that it's possible to change our emotions, but how? Well, let's again take notes from our kids. They're able to, at the drop of the hat, flip because another stronger emotion has taken over. They let themselves feel what they need to feel, and then they move on. They're done with it. I think anxiety comes when you don't let yourself feel what you need to feel. And so now you're harnessing that emotion. You're walking with it. You're trying to move through your day with it. You're trying to cook your kids breakfast with it. You're trying to go to work with it. You're trying to do your job with it. And you're not ever dealing with the emotion that you need to feel. Therefore, anxiety is starting to come up and blossom in your life. So now the question really becomes as adults, how do we find the bigger emotion in a time of high anxiety or depression? Personally, I think it always leads back to your subconscious core commitment. And if you can grasp what you're not getting in that specific moment or what it is that you desire or how you can serve your core need instead, then boom, you've got your bigger emotion. Because here's the thing, the chances are that you're attempting to grasp at your subconscious core commitment, which last week we learned that that always comes from external things, which are completely out of your control. And because you can't control others or other things that happen in your life, you're left with anxiety and depression when you don't feel that commitment, that subconscious core commitment. Opposed to serving your conscious core need now that it's conscious, now that you know what you need out of really any given situation, you can serve that need and anxiety is going to dissipate. A good way to determine if you're in line with your core need or gaining gradual anxiety over attempting to get your subconscious core commitment, from someone or something else is by determining if you are reacting to your problems or if you're responding to them. If you're aware that a problem will inevitably occur and you know that you're prepared to not only get through them, but learn from them, then you're responding. I think a lot of times anxiety is present because we are not getting from that situation what we anticipated or we anticipated something and it didn't happen the way that we thought that it would. And so now we have anxiety because we feel unprepared or disappointed and and then don't know how to respond because it's not a prepared response, it's a reaction. As Ryan Holiday puts it, when America races send the first astronauts to space, what do you think they trained them in more than anything else? controlling their emotions. Why? Because when people panic, they make mistakes. They override systems. They disregard procedures. They ignore the rules. They deviate from the plan. They become unresponsive and think unclearly. They just react and not to what they need to react to. Instead, they are reacting to these survival hormones that are coursing through their veins. And welcome to the source of most of our problems down here on earth as well everything is planned down to the letter and then something goes wrong. And the first thing we do is train in our plan for a good old emotional freakout. And some of us almost crave sounding that alarm because it's easier than dealing with whatever is staring us in the face. I think that that is such a key point because really what sounding that alarm does is it almost allows you to have an excuse. You're using anxiety as the excuse to not do X, Y, Z, to not accomplish this, to not get out of literal bed in the morning when you go through this cycle of anxiety, it starts stacking. Okay. Just like I talked about with your micro shifts and stacking evidence for yourself, you can very easily stack evidence against yourself. And this happens in the form of anxiety so many times. And people use that as the, you know, like, well, I have anxiety, so I can't. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't do that because I have anxiety and depression or, or insert any other thing that you're like associating with anxiety. When you find yourself, in a worry tizzy, ask yourself what you are choosing to not see right now. Are you avoiding something that if you made a decision and move forward, the anxiety would just go away? Are you seeking external validation from things outside of your control? Or are you validating your core need from within? In business, isn't it expected that you're going to lose money every so often? It's to be expected. You're in business. So when that happens, can you respond accordingly instead of reacting in a frenzy creating anxiety? In a relationship, you will have disagreements. You know this ahead of time. So have a plan for what you're going to do in those moments of disagreements. Will you go on a walk and then pick the conversation back up? Will you agree to find a compromise? Having a plan will alleviate that anxiety taxes. Y'all, they happen every single year, every single April. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone in their adult years, yet it causes stress and anxiety for so many people. Why? Because it's April 17th and you're in reaction mode. You might even have it circled and underlined in big red marker in your calendar. And so the days and weeks leading up to that day are giving you anxiety because you know you should be doing your taxes and you're not. And every time you open your calendar book, there it is all but yelling at you to do them, but you haven't yet. What if you carved out half of a day in March to go over the things that you need to and get all of your taxes done? Potentially no anxiety around taxes anymore. For some of you, that might be literally what you came here for. You might have needed to hear that emotions can change, that if you're not feeling through your emotions, then that could be causing you anxiety. So feel through your emotions and then move on. It might be that you needed to know that you need to make a plan about things or make a concrete decision because that's what's causing you anxiety. Or it might be that you're realizing that, yeah, I really do like sounding that alarm and not dealing with whatever it is that's staring me in the face and instead labeling it as anxiety and continuing not to deal with it, but it's not going to go away. And so I continually have this anxiety for some of you. One of those things or all of those things in different situations are why you came here today. For most of us, we have to go a little bit deeper. When you don't know your true self and therefore cannot defeat emotions with logic, like those XYZ situations that I just gave you, because you don't believe that you're in control of your emotions, might even create a motive about your emotions. And that's a loss of identity that creates anxiety. For example, I'm exhausted because I work so hard. So I deserve this tub of ice cream. Next day, subconsciously, I must work really hard. So I will feel exhausted at 9pm tonight so that I can eat the ice cream because I'm just an ice cream lover. And that's how I know that I'm a hard worker. And then stacking that evidence for yourself over time, you become a hard worker and you reward yourself with ice cream. Action is going to stop anxiety in its tracks. I want you to remember that. But if you don't know who you are, you don't know how to act. You don't know what action to take. You don't know what to say. You question everything from the clothing that you're wearing to the words that are coming out of your mouth. There is a need to feel emotions that you've put a wall up for in fear of how others are going to view you in those emotions. And that's affecting everything that you do, say, wear, and feel. To quote Brianna Weist from an online article, your last grasps at the control that you're becoming more and more aware that you do not have. Your tiredness is your resistance to who you really are, the person that you actually want to be. Your annoyance is you holding back that anger. Aside from biological factors, your depression is everything coming to the surface and you shoving it down to stow it away. Your arrival at this conclusion that you can't keep going on like this, that you're missing out or you're off track or you're stuck or you're lost, is you realizing that you need not to change your feelings, but to lean into them more and really see what are these feelings trying to tell me. The questioning, the anxiety, and those repression of feelings might even be something that you've learned to live with over time, but it does not have to stay that way. A lot of anxiety is birthed in the past. If you're looking for freedom, try forgiving. Now, that's really easy for me to say, but some of y'all, the reason that you're so anxious is that something took place in the past and you cannot forgive yourself for it. So life keeps moving forward and you're stuck hanging on to this thing back here. With my clients, I titled this section, The Art of Letting Go, because it is a literal art. There's not like this five-step process. It's not like in two days time with working with me, you know, you're going to be able to forgive. It is a little art of letting it go and learning how and then practicing it and stacking that evidence for yourself to show that you can. So I have had more than one person throughout my life that I've had to learn how to forgive when I knew that I would never actually hear the words I'm sorry from them. Or honestly, that they ever felt any kind of remorse. I carried so much of that weight for such a long time. And it translated as anxiety and distrust in my life. So how did I do it? How did I forget them? I really thought back on this. And I think the first step was becoming aware that I was still holding on to this emotional baggage, that I was like waiting for an apology. And I think I honestly thought that one day they would give me that. They would come to this like realization and give me the apology that I've been waiting decades to hear. Once I accepted that that was not going to happen, that they were never going to give me that, I knew that I needed to learn how to forgive them on my own without that. I decided that I no longer wanted to hurt and I was ready to heal. Now, I'm going to pause right here because some of y'all might skim over that step, but it's crucial, the decision. We've talked about this before, but unless you make the conscious decision, none of this stuff moving forward can happen. Like I mentioned earlier, some of us almost enjoy and find pleasure in anxiety and in that anxiety state because it's the excuse to not do the things that we need to do taxes. Oh yeah, I didn't do them because of my anxiety. Get to the gym. Yeah, I can't because anxiety. Guess I'll like this ice cream because it makes me feel better. Y'all catch what I'm putting down here? This is why you make the conscious decision. With the decision, I'll add, it's helpful to get some skin in the game. So hire the tax person, schedule the meeting, enroll at the gym. And for me, when it came to forgiveness, I was going to commit to writing about it a little background. I graduated college and decided to become a rock star. (laughs) I had taught myself how to play guitar and writing music had become a therapy for me. At the time, I was playing a lot of shows, some acoustically by myself and some by my band. Whenever I got the chance to play acoustically by myself, Don Henley's Heart of the Matter was one that I always played. It would just hit me. And these lyrics, y'all, I'm going to read them right now. And maybe you just needed to hear Don Henley's words today. All the things that I thought I knew, I'm learning again. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem scattered. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if, even if you don't love me anymore. These times are so uncertain. There's a yearning undefined. People filled with rage. We all need a little tenderness. How can a love survive? In such a graceless age. Ah, the trust and self-assurance that led to happiness. They're the very things we kill, I guess. Oh, pride and competition cannot fill these empty arms. And the work I have put between us, you know it doesn't keep me warm. Making the decision and committing to writing about it, I realized that holding on to this was like drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer. It was hurting no one except myself to hold on to this grudge and this feeling of, you know, that they didn't deserve my forgiveness. And that was creating so much anxiety in my life. It was hurting no one except myself. And I was ready to truly forgive someone, we must first shift our perspective in regards to how we believe that the accounts are balanced. That is the person that we need to forgive's account and your account. It's not an eye for an eye or a tit for a tat because to truly forgive, it has to come from the heart. Insert Don Henley's part of the matter. So therefore... It's not in your head. You're not forgiving someone up here in your brain. It's down here in your heart. There's often a wound that this person has left on your heart. And to truly forgive them, we must forgive the wound that's driving the conflict between the two of you, or potentially it's only a conflict with you in terms of them because you no longer speak to them or what have you. I think it's super helpful to write these down. And if you're a follower of Jesus, sit with him for a little while in this. Ask for his guidance. As you write down the wounds that have left scars on your heart and on your life, you're going to start to develop an empathy towards the person who created that wound. You may be able to see his or her physical frailties and psychological suffering and begin to understand the common humility that you share. You may even recognize them as a vulnerable person who was once wounded and therefore wounded you in return. Because, And please hear me when I say this, hurt people hurt people. So you're going to recognize that despite what he or she may have done to you, they don't deserve to suffer either. Knowing that we all carry wounds in our hearts can help you open the door to forgiveness. The next sort of part to this is discovering that your wounds have purpose. Your pain has purpose. And I discovered that there was meaning from my wounds. This is when I noticed that I was beginning to sort of let go of the feeling that I needed to hear them say, I'm sorry for X, Y, Z. Without seeing meaning, a person can lose a sense of purpose, which can lead to hopelessness and a despairing conclusion that there is no meaning to life itself, anxiety, depression. Now, this doesn't mean that we go like looking for suffering in order to grow or try to find goodness in others' bad actions. But instead, we try to see how our suffering has changed us in a positive way. Without some of the wounds that people who I truly loved and still love gave me, I would not be who I am today. If you have been able to write all of this down, now comes the fun part. Rip it up and watch it burn. Yes, literally light that baby on fire. There's something about the act of ripping it up and then watching it be destroyed by fire that helps you release yourself from it. For me, this was enough to scar over the wounds. Forgive, but never forget and create true empathy and turn it into appreciation for the persons who gave me those wounds. If you shed bitterness and put love in its place, and then repeat this with many, many other people, you become freed to love more and widely and more deeply. This kind of transformation can create a legacy of love that will live on after you're gone. In self-forgiveness, you honor yourself as a person, even if you are imperfect. If you've broken your personal standards in a serious way, there is a danger of sliding into self-loathing. When this happens, you may not take good care of yourself. You might overeat or oversleep or start smoking or engage in other forms of self-punishment. But you need to recognize this and move towards self-compassion. Soften your heart towards yourself and move through these same steps of writing down the wounds that you've given yourself, of developing empathy for yourself, that self-compassion, right? Then finding an appreciation for those times in your life life that you have let yourself down, writing it down, ripping it up, letting it burn, and then being released of it and letting it go. Because you've moved through the emotion, you've let yourself feel, and now you can move on. Y'all tuned in today because you thought you were going to learn how to manage your anxiety and instead you got a lesson on forgiveness. (laughs) but life is going to keep moving forward with or without you. And if anxiety and depression are following you like a dark cloud, forgiveness might be the first step that you have to take to find your truest, most honest self. Then from there, you are able to act in confidence. You are able to speak in confidence. You are able to dress in confidence. You are relieved from that anxiety, standing confident in your truest self and who you know you are, empathetic towards yourself and others content with the person that you've become and thankful even for those wounds that happened in your life because it's led you to the person that you are and all of the sudden your world starts to come together a little bit more and as you gain more and more confidence that anxiety is just going to dissipate like waves crashing up on rocks and slowly turning it into sand so I ask you who are you going to forgive today? Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it on social media. Tag me, Colleen M. Kelly. That's two L's, two E's and Colleen, K-E-L-L-Y. Leave a comment or a five-star review for me. That helps me prepare for next week. I read your guys' comments every single week and truly look forward to them so that I can continue to serve and bring value to you all on a weekly basis. I love y'all so much. I'll talk to you next time.